This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. is number one with a bullet ladies and gentlemen welcome to the latest movie microscope my name is nick nunziata and i am your gracious host alongside me the aquatic hypnotic psychotic neurotic and slightly quixotic yeah i was gonna say narcotic but i think i already said that right mm-hmm. i think so hypoallergenic justin waddell how's it going sir you know it's all right how about you sir I'm kicking it freestyle you know, how's your um? You invested in Bitcoin, right? How's it going? You know, it's funny. I did for about twelve minutes a couple of years ago. Yeah. Then I realized I hate everything. <laughs> you don't have it anymore because if you hung on to it, you'd be you'd be doing well. Yeah. Well. What about I pot coin? What about pot coin? Illyrium. You know, no man. I just live in the real world. I'll take it as it comes. Nick, I got my investments wrapped up in Zoom coin. <laughs> so. uh what shelter should I address your uh, fan mail to? Um, anything interesting going on before we get to the... I mean, we have a big episode. I, I know we can't spend too much time on frivolities. Yeah, we got to get to this one. Um, anything else going on in the world? How, how's your COVID dodging going? Fantastic. Are, are you circling the vaccine? What's, tell me, give, me, give me some details here. I'm not circling shit, man. I'm just fucking dodging. I hug no one, you know? Well, that continues. That's a pre-pandemic habit, you. Oh, actually, I hug all sorts of people before all this crazy. I never did. We ever hug? Did I don't think we lot? did, but man, it's a big thing in 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 my industry. Is a lot of yeah. Well, it's a it's a lot of warm regards, a lot of happy a lot of bromancing going on. Yeah, you know what? When we see each other, let's let's get a hug going on. Yeah, and then let's face each other when we do it. Mm, that's not that's not what I was thinking. Oh, a sneak hug. That's what I call those. Yeah, so those, those, those go get a, well. Do you ever get hurt while hugging somebody? Yeah. Did it wrong, kind of? Yeah. I hugged someone during a gunfight. <laughs> you got, <laughs> did you get grazed? <laughs> Do you mean, was my hair all spiky? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, no, I'm dodging COVID as best I can. Yeah. I'll be, uh, I'll be going to a dangerous part of the nation on Tuesday, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, where's that? Going to Amsterdam. Are you really? You're not headed up there. I'm going to Baltimore, babe. You really gonna be you're gonna be in Baltimore, huh? Have you no. been to Baltimore before? I have. I've been. I've passed through as quick as I could. Yeah, that's that's the way you're supposed to visit Baltimore. So you're going there. You gonna be there for a while? Just for the week. Yeah. You know. Um. Not worried about it. If yeah. it's my time, you know. Home um, of the Orioles. 
Yeah, that's a super zoom. It's Barry Levinson's pad. You know, we, other we, than the Bay, what has he done? Has he done anything? Levinson? Just the Bay, right? Yeah, oh, he, and uh, I think he did Liberty Heights also and Avalon, but that's about it. But mostly the Bay. Oh, uh, I was going to say, if he just did the Bay, it's what hit, one hit wonder. <laughs> but I guess he did do more. He did Diner Nick. Can you imagine if he started with the Bay and then and then he reached out to Tim Daly at Al and said, hey, I'm, I'm coming off the success of my first feature. I, I have this little story about a bunch of people who hang at a diner and they're like, uh, yeah, here's my agent's number. And it's it says spam risk. It was, it's kind of a pivot for Barry Levinson in that he was able to make a movie after all those years. <laughs> But I mean, seriously, what did he think he was going to get? In the, is, it, is that a it's not a found footage movie, but it's kind of it has a documentary feel, right? A little bit it has a real feel to it. I found the footage rather bland. <laughs> Can't wait to do it. It's They're like, like, what are they like a little isopods or something? A little crustacean? It's like shit through a goose. Is that what they say? I don't remember <laughs> a thing. I remember it's called The Bay and that he directed it. I think that the actress from Cabin in the Woods is in it. Yeah. The lead. I think she might be in there. That's so funny you would say that because, uh, uh, by all purposes, the star of today's feature shit through a goose on the set of Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Doing two Robert Carradine movies back to back. Nick, how are our numbers? How are our chart numbers? They're actually for, they're actually fine. We're doing um, good. Yeah, I gotta I gotta take a quick. A V-tour, which is like a detour with vagina. Um, who the fuck let Anthony Edwards wear that mustache in Top Gun? <laughs> you like him clean shaven. It's I don't like I don't like those kind of mustaches on my best friends, mm-hmm. but that that mustache on that guy. You don't like it, huh? Tough. A tough watch. Tom Tom Hanks has very rarely worn a mustache. Lady Killers? I meant Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks is known for it. Tom Cruise, does he have a mustache in a movie? Has he ever has he ever had a beard? I, I'm trying to in think. The last Samurai, he had some sort of face. In uh, Born on the Fourth, he had the scruffs. That's right. Born on the Fourth, he did have a... But man, he's not known for covering up that little Maypother maw. You can't cover up the... That's a... You can't co- cover up that star of the cinema screen. You want to see the full face, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Anthony Edwards, apparently you want to see his full face as well. His brand is that wholesome, completely hairless face. I mean... I, his trademark. His trademark is hairless face. Yeah. IMDb, yeah. Trivia is... Uh, you go to IMDb, trivia says, note, hairless face. Wasn't that the villain in Solo? Hair, no, something else. Different name. Um, Talking about Emphis Nest. <laughs> uh, so... And by the way, zoom in, not the villain in Solo. No, that's true. The villain in Solo was the the so-called Star Wars fans. Bastards. Um, what day is Ju- uh, Justice League coming out this week? Is it to Thursday morning? Actually, I think Snyder decided, I think a couple hours ago, he said he's just not going to release it. Oh, okay. He said he's like, you know what? I'm. It's like, my bad, guys. No, I'm not going to do it. He took it back. Is it coming out tomorrow? No. The big fuck you that that whole thing is, is I, I was reading on Wikipedia. It's actually the Tom Snyder cut. <laughs> it's all just newsreel footage. So <laughs> It's interviews set in the 70s and 80s. Um. Yeah. No, but I, I are you excited? I know you're kind of a Snyder. I am excited. Fan. I like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it, but yeah. I don't know, man. I, it's, so it's coming out Tuesday. Well, give me a date. I, th- I think it's probably Thursday. 
Thursday, huh? Yeah. I know people have seen it. I know the critics have seen it, and they're going to have their reviews at the ready tomorrow, maybe, I think. It's a good week. We got that, and then we got the first episode of Winter Soldier, right? Yeah. Am I wrong? I think that's no, next. no. You're right. Yeah, Disney just finished WandaVision, coming out with that now. But I'm the one I'm looking forward to is Loki. Yeah. Owen Wilson in there. With the mustache mm-hmm. taking us full circle. Speaking of other people who's supposed to be empty face. Star uh, of the Minus Man, Nick. <laughs> Name some of your favorite Owen Wilsons. Oh, God, man. You, where do you start? Jesus. I Spy. Big Bounce. What? He is in some forgettable movies. I, I do love him so. What's There's <laughs> one with somebody's name. It's like, which I didn't watch. It's like, I'm with Gutterson. No, no, it's like uh, somebody's name, like being Stork Stopston. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Remember him and Luke were originally going to be the uh, brothers in um, Ocean's Eleven. That would have been good, but the other guys are great. Let's see if I was right that it's called be- being Stork Stopston. <laughs> I think I was right. He he is he's uh, Owen Wilson is a bunch of movies that have such bland titles that you can't remember them. Of course, I love Bottle Rockets, one of my favorite movies, and fantastic performance in that. But Drillbit Taylor was what I was thinking of. <laughs> so close, but I mean, he was in. Let me just give you some of these humdinger titles that he was in that you'll probably cut this out. Um, <clears throat> he was in. Oh, he's in Father Figures, which you you, you spoke highly of. But he was in um, what? She's funny that way. Who's the love interest in that? Which one? She's that funny sounds that like a romantic comedy. Yeah, I think Galifianakis might be in that too. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I hope he's a love interest. I mean, that's a small one. You know, Richard Lewis is in it, who we love. Imogene Poots. Like her? Doesn't matter. And then he has a movie called Are You Here? I do like the Shanghai Knights, the Shanghai, whatever, the Shanghai yeah. They were going to, they teased the third one yeah. a couple years ago that they might do. I, I hope they do it. They probably won't, but I hope they, they do. They will never do it. <laughs> your hopes squashed the no, pandemic no, messed it yeah, up yeah there's i mean no way it happens i do i don't believe in god but i do pray every night that they'll do a third shanghai noon movie that'd be great <laughs> just in case he's up there or she's up there i get down on my knees every night and i say you fuck if you are up there you piece of shit just make this happen it's one goddamn thing for me I think it would be great if tomorrow the sun burns super hot and hard and uh, we, we look up and there's a silhouette of a descending Christ and he's got two things in his, in his, in his mitts. Yeah. He's got a completely you know, locked edit of Shanghai supper <laughs> and he's got number two with a bullet. <laughs> it's got the sequel, which Robert Carradine I mean, one of the things that those the Shanghai movies and number one with the bullet share is that they are movies. That's true. Yeah. And this show is geared around movies. Hmm. It's a movie microscope, ladies and gentlemen. It's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film through humble eyes and gently caress the horse hairs of time and space. Strap ourselves into the celluloid. Ride it till it's hot. Free graze on proteins. <laughs> and decide what makes or breaks and we share it to Lexi you if we're talking about Love Jones we're talking about a scene where Nia Long is cooking supper inexplicably for an entire family of lizards we're talking about the little moments (laughs) 
I, I would want to talk about that moment, by the way, if we did end up doing that movie. <clears throat> and there are many little moments in today's feature. Number one with a bullet, ladies and gentlemen. There are only little moments in this. Yeah. Number one, one with a bullet, a movie I had never heard of. Uh, last week, you said it. <laughs> and now has become part of my life. Um, I saw it. I watched it this weekend. I stared at a wall afterwards for a little bit, contemplating where I went wrong. Only in the 80s could this have happened. I thought this was a Lethal Weapon knockoff. It came out the same year. Yeah, maybe. It, yeah. I mean, at least unless it, Lethal Weapon came out and they they quickly made a movie after they saw it and released it. No way. Yeah, it was a coincidence. I mean, there was just so much good to go around. For people that don't know this movie, and I didn't, what's it about and who's in it, Nick? Okay. I mean, it stars John Grise. <laughs> the legend John Grise, who I dearly do love. Peter Graves. One of my favorites. <laughs> Valerie Bertinelli putting on a, a master class here. William D. Williams and uh, Mr. Bob Carradine. Now, Billy D. Williams is billed first in this movie. Rightfully Starring so. Role. Rightfully so. <laughs> he actually, <laughs> he actually acquits himself uh, okay in this. His character is not annoying, and he delivers his lines okay. Now, I did read, I will preface this because I will be ripping Robert Carradine, his character in this. Um, I did read an interview with him that he was quite likable in the interview. Explain how. He just seemed like a nice guy. You know, he's been around for a long time. He seemed pretty humble. And, you know, so I, I ended up liking that interview. But I wanted to read about him, like him talking about this movie. And, and, uh, and he did? He did. He talked a little bit about it. He had some favorable things to say. He loved making it. He wished that they had made more. Well, this like is I as said. close as he ever got to being cool. He liked to say his favorite line was, he said, uh, where's my walleye? Is one of his one of his favorites. <laughs> <laughs> now, we watched this on Amazon Prime via rental. And yeah, you guys, if you want to watch this along, you have to you actually have to rent this from one service and one service only. Amazon Prime can get it nowhere else. Uh, can I can I zoom in real early? Yeah. In his original schematics for Amazon, Jeff Bezos, his main motivation was a place for people to see number one with the bullet. So mission accomplished, Jeff, you fucking space toad. <laughs> this transfer can only be described as completely white on the left. Have you noticed that? What do you mean? It's like somebody's shining oh. a flashlight at it from the left side of the frame the entire movie. Yeah, I, I was hoping that we, we would get the remastered version. I don't know if we... Was that what we rented? You um, said the... The re, the rebastard version. So directed by Jack Smite. What a great name, Jack Smite. Sounds, sounds like, like a character in a fairy tale. It does, and it sounds like someone that might have might have taken their name off the movie, but then wanted to make a, you know, add a cool name back onto it. Like, so I don't want to say I directed this, but my alter ego Jack Smite did. He just sounds like a superhero. Jack, Jack Smite pants, pants so, so tight, tight. Candied, candied apples, apples burning, burning bright. bright. Go. This is. It sounds like a Bloody Mary type thing. I think he. I think he is deceased. You might summon him. I wonder if if you went to find a grave, uh, if it, and you pulled this character up, if it would have this on his tomb. What if he's got a mausoleum and there are actually like Michelangelo esque statues of Williams and and Carradine in pose? It's all worth it then. Yeah. A Jack um, Smite film. A Jack Smite film. He directed some other ones. We don't uh, and then the, the producers were like Jack Smite not direct again. Um, I don't think he did. I, I don't really think he had much of a career after this. Do you think the the people responsible for making this film saw the Cotton Club? What does that mean? Because the opening credits oh. and the opening scene, yeah. they are leaning heavily into the Cotton Club with the font, with the way that the 
font is displayed and with the style of uh, music being played. It does have a cool looking title, the film. Uh, he, this is the guy who directed the, An Illustrated Man, by the way. Remember that movie? Yeah. Is that based on a Ray Bradbury? Yeah, I think it's Bradbury. Or Asimov. I don't know. One of those two. One of those assholes. One of those two dudes. He his, his one of his last. This is his last movie. He did The Favorite later. That was his last. Uh, and who originally was going to star in this film and who was given a writing credit in this movie? Well, that would be Jim Belushi, my friend. And it feels like Carradine's character would be... It would make sense if Jim Belushi was playing it a little bit. like Because it's kind of obviously written to be a lovable douche. And I think Jim Belushi can kind of pull that off in things. You know, he, I'm going to go on the record and say Jim Belushi is underappreciated. In, in I Hollywood. agree with you. He's kind of having a little bit of a renaissance. Like he's on Twitter... I think he sells weed. Is that right? Uh, I don't and so know. people people are kind of like, you know, his presence is kind of looms a little bit large on Twitter. And, and you know, he's very friendly, apparently, on Twitter. So. I think he's funny. I think he's actually not a bad actor and uh, <sighs> mm-hmm. was a kind of a, a joke just to people based on just comparison to his brother. But I like, to, I like him a lot, actually. And even in movies yeah. like About Last Night, mm-hmm. which is a bad ad- adaptation of a mammoth play. He's actually pretty damn good in it. Yeah, he's overbearing. Like that's his his one mode is to be like kind of overbearing, right? That's his like he's kind of like cartoonish, overbearing. But he's uh, it works. I mean, he, he and he 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 kind of showed up a little bit in the in the Twin Peaks of Return, and he was great in that. You know, he just always he's in a movie with John Ritter, Ritter that's pretty funny. Do you remember this movie? Oh yeah, yeah, it was like a buddy thing. Um, yeah, is there a hair dryer in the in the poster? Possibly, and it's like a weird movie. It has like I think there's an alien element to it. It's I know that there's like a a spy and these guys, their neighbors or something. I don't remember much about, it, but I remember it being kind of funny. And you know, obviously John Ritter was funny, and and Belushi's you like you said underappreciated. Anyway, this feels like it certainly feels like he would have had an easier time with this role than than Carradine does. Don't you agree? Have you have you seen the movie Carradine? <laughs> star, it's, the star power is present. Nick, uh, uh, he plays your namesake, Nick, in this. Nick. Barzark. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Remember, there was like that name is so, so, such a cop name in movies. And then Billy D plays Frank Hazeltine. Hazeltine. <laughs> Although one character calls him Hazeltine later in the film. It's fine. I mean, it's got some great names. Jack Smite. What about, what about the names? composer? Who's that? Alf Clausen. Yeah, now Alf Clausen, that's a name I recognize. He, yeah, he must and- be a He's a prolific composer, right? Well, he fucked up here because the music in this is atrocious. He fucked up hard. Well, he probably did like everybody else that did this movie on this movie. They were in uh, neutral the whole time, and they were in no. We don't give a shit mode. Now this is like, a Golden Globus production, though. What? <laughs> I don't know that I mean, am I telling a joke? Is it? Is it? Uh, is this supposed to mean something to me? Mayhem Golan and Yoram Globus, the two guys that produced all those great bad action films in the 80s and stuff so what else did they do a lot of schwarzenegger stallone norris that kind of stuff and ninja movies too so then they actually had some hits under their belt in that, that i mean yeah they were they were hits with a asterisk but yeah, yeah. but i golden globus was a big part of my coming up like i i used to really spend a lot of time digging into their into their files sounds like so, a D monster Golden Globus, mm-hmm. yeah, or or like uh, something that happens to you. You know, I got a bad Golden Globus. What are we gonna do? Well, nothing. We're gonna bury you in the woods with Jack Smite. <laughs> Sounds like an award. Golden Globus. 
So um, the best. So it starts off. Billy D is just putting on a trumpet trumpet clinic. He is he is just sexy, uh, blown into that thing. Sexually blown into it. The there's a lady in the crowd that just cannot wait to get him in her lap. You know, she's just she's ifing him, Nick. And he's that's a, that's he's, a weird thing to for him to get into her lap. He is, she is IFing him. He is mouth effing the trumpet. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Robert Carradine is this was, an MF. When this, when this went on for a little bit, I, I saw that we had an hour and 35 minutes left. <laughs> well, the great thing is he's talking to this lady about his, uh, he's a cop, you see. And yeah, he's he puts down the trumpet. As, as, yeah, he starts talking and to her. And he has, a, he's like, she's wondering why he doesn't do that for a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, uh, he sucks. That's one reason. But the other reason is, is and he says, my cop jobs are better than my horn jobs. No, he says, my, <laughs> let me correct you. But that's pretty good. He goes, my cop chops are better than my art chops, I think. Didn't he say that? No, no. He says, Did I, get it he wrong? My, I think he said, my cop jobs are better than my horn jobs. I think he says chops. The second time I watched the film, I watched it with subtitles. And oh I still God. don't remember. I put the subtitles on when John cries. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I had to put the subtitles on. It's the cutest death ever. I feel I felt 100% worse for him because of the voiceover. <laughs> the way he screams. It's, we'll get to it, but it is it is a highlight of this movie, but it also makes me sad. Um, so how much block and cock is Karen Dean doing in this film? So then, so that's the running joke in this is that, you know, Billy D and Robert Carradine are playing partners <clears throat> and Carradine does everything he can to screw up, um, Billy D's game with women, like his, his pickup lines, anything he's doing to any, and it's, it's, it's working like a charm. Billy D he's in there. Like the ladies really like him. They want to go home with him. And Robert Carradine screws it up every time for him. And Billy D, he gets a little mad about it, but not that mad. Well, he doesn't screw it up every time. Because there's a scene where we see a, a sexy lady dropping him that's off true. at the plane. That's true. Uh, yeah. But that's because he was distracted by his own lady or something, right? Or Yeah, he had a, of course. He, no, he's at home with his mom. <laughs> Never mind. That's what it was. Yeah. So what's the premise? So there's, I mean, there's this, the really weak premise here is that these guys are, uh, these guys are cops and there's a, I guess a drug Lord in town, um, a bad guy that's hard to get to. And the, this, the whole movie is they're trying to basically arrest this dude, this, this rich drug guy that he seems above the law. He seems protected. And so that's, I can't that's believe I'm re- what's his name. They say it a hundred thousand times in the movie. Fuck. It's like DeSantos or something like that. Yeah, I wrote it down somewhere. We'll come across it. But I mean, isn't that the premise? I mean, I know it sounds, maybe I'm getting it wrong, but that really is it, right? I mean, they're just kind of after a bad guy that's hard to get. Is that true? DaCosta. Um, yeah, basically, he's a, uh, Carradine's obsessed with this guy. It's interfered mm-hmm. with his productivity at work. It's hurt his career and his partner's career. And things are escalating. And it turns out there may be some corruption on the police force. And it starts to completely wild you know, loose cannon cops to solve things. I say we both summed it up equally. 
I say if it was a competition, I you might win just by an edge, edge edging me out just a little, but it's close. Um, but you won when it came to describing um, John Gry's uh, having a cute death. <laughs> Do you not agree? That's not the word I'd use, but I'm I'm, I'm getting there. It makes so, me, it makes me so mad at the at the, it that death made me so angry at the main characters. Like I was livid. Uh, Gry should not die in a movie. Period. He's a national treasure. I mean, I'm not saying it as a joke. He's actually great in everything. Mm-hmm. They introduce him in this movie. He's wailing on the drums. <laughs> it is hilarious to watch him on the drums in this movie. Then he he has to flee. So he just, of course, what he does is he's wailing on the drums. And then he has to, you know, basically push all the drums out of the way, you know, as you do, to mad, do a mad dash. And then he's wild-haired in the movie for a few minutes. They make fun of his hairline, and then he drops to his death. It's absolutely disappointing that he's not in this more um and folks if you're uh, fans of us on instagram i, I recently <laughs> put that scene on our feed because it is necessary so we meet our villain i notice a huge mistake in this film okay when we meet our villain he's playing tennis well the first time we meet him he's hiring an assassin but he's playing tennis with his dame his very sexy dame yeah, and they're playing tennis, and they're only they're the only two people on the court. There's a shot girlfriend, I guess, but I don't. It, she doesn't treat her very nice, Nick. Right. I, well, yeah. That's 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 a uh, in that part of the like the deal in movies like this where the yes, yeah. There's that put upon piece of eye candy, armchair mm-hmm. candy, arm candy. But so they're playing tennis, and there is a shot, and this blows me away, where he hits a ball to her, and she's returning the volley, and mysteriously another ball is bouncing towards her. I didn't catch this. Took me completely out of the movie. That's a Jack Smite trademark. Oh. Now, an un- unfortunately, he has though- an unexplained ball in his movies. <laughs> he uh, fucked up. And the even though we spent a whopping $3.99 to watch this movie, it does not feature Amazon's X-ray feature because I would be assured that if the X-ray feature were available, we would discover the origin of that wayward ball. But I will just have to have a sleepless night until then. Um, Billy he also Dean rips her, he rips her literacy too. He does. He says, uh, he said, cause she wants to have sex with him after tennis. And he's like, uh, you know, patting down with the town. He says, I don't know. He's like, what am I supposed to do if we're not going to basically have sex? And he goes, I don't know. Read a book or something. You do read. Don't you? Like he says like that. What a fucking douche. And he just, he's so hateable. I, I just didn't like him cause he was in this movie. <laughs> what were you saying? He's less he's he's more likable than Carradine in this though. Carradine's character is very hard to like. So he this has feels a, very much like the last podcast. He has a Nick Barzark. His big thing is he um is a complete dick to his partner. He's an asshole at work. And then he has an ex-girlfriend. I guess I don't think his ex-wife, I think his ex-girlfriend played by Valerie Bertinelli. Who they've been broken up for two years, and he's trying to get back in her good her good graces by going to apartment her like house unannounced, and then being a complete jerk to her, like yelling at her, uh, accusing her of sleeping around when that's totally fine because they're not together. And then he's mad because he's she took his uh, his walleye off the wall, <laughs> which is I guess what a fish that he caught. It's a fish. And he says, "Where's my walleye?" And so Valerie Bertinelli shows up in this movie. And I noticed a very interesting thing about her. That she looks exactly like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> that she's wearing throughout the movie the biggest shirts like you can. I mean, that's her 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 style in this is big shirt. Yeah. You know, big talking she, heads fan. She went to the big and tall store and asked for the 
extra the extra large shirt at the big and tall store. She's like, and I'll have the I'll have the Carol Strucken. Yeah, she she is wearing she's big shirt in this, and at one point she's in the hospital. I I swear I think she's wearing a big hospital gown. See, it's funny when you said that I started to get the night sweats, so yeah. I had to go online and find out was she pregnant? Was this when Wolfgang was being built? Because I it wasn't no, so she was just mm. making a choice. I thought she was covering up some some bell. I mean, that's why I, I thought maybe that was what was going on too, but I don't think so. I think she, I think that was a, a, a style that she, she tried to burn Elliot. You know, she was like, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to set a trend here. Maybe it was a trend out in LA or something. You know, the big shirt. Have you heard yeah. about this? The uh, button I, down, I, the I, big shirt. I mean, I saw the Adam McKay film, but that's about it. I mean, <laughs> do you know if, uh, what's his name? What's the guy that does all the documentaries? Michael Moore. No. Ken or Ken Burns. Ken Burns. Yeah. I wonder if he'll have a, he'll do a piece on like, you know, the big shirts. It'll be like a narrated exactly. Yeah, a slow a slow painting on a still photo of a big shirt. It's just narrated like the Civil War documentaries he does. It's all sad and first I mean, of all, the... he's his he's amazing. Mm-hmm. That Vietnam and that yeah. uh baseball one are just you seven. love it, huh? Yeah. But his hairstyle fucks. Speaking Ken of Burns, great, huh? yeah. yeah. Speaking of great fashion, did you notice mm-hmm. there's a scene where we're Carradine is uh, having a young lady, a young girl spy on Valerie Bertinelli's, the passer, the comers and goers at her house. Yeah, after he creates a scene at his ex-girlfriend's house and, you know, basically demands to go on a date with her and she turns him down. He does this thing where he goes outside and these kids are playing and he kneels down to talk to this young girl and Valerie Bertinelli watches and is like, oh, he's being sweet to kids. But in fact, he had been paying the kid to spy on his girlfriend. And... Did you notice See what she was wearing? The little girl? I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's wearing a shirt with the number 320 all over it. wonder what that signifies. Anyway, so that kind of is a... That reminded me of Lethal Weapon. Remember that scene when the house blows up? Don't tell me name, Alfred. <laughs> and then, the, yeah, Riggs tries to interrogate the kids. I mean, he doesn't interrogate them. He just asks them questions. It's a very cute scene. Um. Yeah, it's it's great too because there's a scene shortly after that where he's waiting outside the house when uh, her her mate comes by in his fancy car. Oh, this time with this movie, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, her he, date. He, yeah, he scares he scares him away. Uh, he doesn't posing... scare him away. He doesn't scare him away. The guy continues on his path toward Valerie Bertinelli's house. Oh, he does. Yep. He doesn't scare him away, but he but he gets a weird look. Okay, and what does he what's he tell this guy? Well, he tells he tells he tells this guy that he's her physician mm-hmm. and that she is basically tested positive for an STD. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why the guy took pause because it's not uncommon for a physician to camp outside of a patient's house and offer well, advice. I know why he continued on because he's like she's basically she's saying she's got VD and he's like yeah VB that's where I'm going. He goes no she's got VD. He's like no VB that's I'm going to VB. I love VH, so I'm going to go see if she's got a copy of the new album. <laughs> anyway, this somehow this stalking, lying behavior works like a charm on her later in the movie. Um, he does get her back. There's no reason that she should ever be back in this guy's life. He is a piece of shit. And then he lies uh, uh, for no good reason. He just constantly lies, dr- disrupts people's lives. He's like a Svengali, but then it works. 
So you got to hand uh, it to him. That's a that's a first for the microscope, a Svengali reference. They say it right. Yeah the uh, the director's cut, which I hope I can get my mitts on, uh, features an extra twenty five minutes of footage of what this movie. Yeah, it's just her changing a shirt. <laughs> so tell me about what you, what your first take of uh, the cross dressing action sequence. So this movie like does a lot of a lot. There's a lot of locations in here. There's a carnival. This is at a carnival. There's a uh, drug bust at a carnival. And the way that the drug deal is going down is very bizarre. Um, We'll talk about that. But there's a zoo later on that they're in. Like they there's a there's there's uh, aerial combat. There's there's a there's a gunfight in the air. It's just they threw it all in anyway. So, yeah, there there's a drug bust at a carnival. The, The our two hero cops decided to go undercover Carradine inexplicably, instead of just wearing a hat, decides to go go full cross dress, uh, wearing a a blonde wig and um, and stilettos and like fishnets or something. And then Billy D is playing what what can only be described as a blind baker, <laughs> selling his wares at a carnival. It's like they went overboard. It's not even Halloween. And the, I know the funny thing is there are only two people in the entire place that dress as the opposite sex, the hero and the crook. Like there's like, for some reason, the crook is also cross-dressed, which <laughs> blows me away. You're right. I just don't, the, the thing about these cops going so deep undercover, nobody knows who they are. Really. These low level criminals don't know who they are. Um, and two, all they have to do is just not wear a cop uniform. And just blend into the crowd. But they go way overboard. And Billy D. Williams looks amazing. I love was, his costume. He actually went as far as to get a blind business license. <laughs> he gets he gets stolen from and has to take it. Like, he gets he's, flicked he's, off by a kid. He's stolen from and flicked off and he has to take it because he's he can't <laughs> break character. Yep. <laughs> but he does grumble. That's amazing. And so then there's a whole... Now, I, I read on IMDb trivia that Michael Mann was furious with this movie yeah. because the original version of Heat, De Niro's character um, has uh, fake balls that he throws at a carnival prize <laughs> that feature the drugs. <laughs> and, then the, and then the money's in the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. I cannot believe how this made it. I mean, this. Well, I was all, actually how, almost in awe of of that sequence. That's incredible that that's the that's how they're doing the drug deal. And then I will say that if that's how they really were doing the drug deal, there's no way the cops would have caught on. Like that. That's like genius. Yeah. You know, there's no way they would have known about it. So I guess they got a tip or something. <laughs> uh, and and I love it too because Carradine draws on this the, guy, the carnival barker. The yeah. guy instantly pulls out a shotgun and stands there waiting to get murdered. And then the chase, the chase ensues, um, and it's great Did because it? Carradine chases his 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 quarry into a Catholic church bingo room. Mm-hmm. And there's actually kind of a funny little confrontation there that I actually liked. Okay, because uh, the uh, the crook takes the uh, the priest hostage. Of course, right? I mean, mm-hmm. as you do, and he and he's threatening to kill the guy, and then Carradine says, "I'll kill him," and then he says. All right, I'll kill him. You kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. Like Carradine's telling the guy that he'll Carradine will shoot the 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 priest. He'll shoot Carradine. It'll be crazy. I thought that was kind of yeah. cute. 
And then, yeah, then the guy gives up because he he gets it gets out crazy. Yeah, there's not a lot of you know. One thing about this movie that's interesting is they don't have a lot of the bad guys don't really get shot a lot. They get arrested a lot of the times. These guys break the rules for sure. And you know, there's certainly there's some murder that happens. You know, they they do murder bad guys, but a lot of times they do arrest them. And in this case, they doesn't he just arrest this guy? Yeah. Well, the guy the guy gives up. Yeah, he gives up. There's no reason to shoot him. He gave out. And then after this, Robert Carradine sums it up because Jesus, man, I love being a cop. Yeah. Now he Why? shares a trait with a character from a previous episode of the movie Microscope. Yeah. You notice what he's got in his apartment? Motorcycle. Right there oh, in his God. apartment. I know from just uh, Black Moon Rising, right? Yep. And Stone Cold too, maybe. <clears throat> so they do cut to his apartment. This how much this is how much of a loose cannon Nick Barzark Jesus is. Christ, I know where you're going with he this. He pulls a Raw packaged steak or meat out of the the, uh, the the refrigerator, and he he slices it open and just eats it raw. With, and he's holding uh, some Worcestershire sauce and drinking it. Yeah, is he is he is he is he drinking it after he takes a bite? Sauce, yeah, after he bites. Mm-hmm. Then two weeks later, after he gets out of the hospital, <laughs> for <laughs> that shit, that was a little overboard there. Um, and then there's a great line. I don't know why he says this. Why Billy D says this to Robert Carradine. I don't know why, but probably because you are because you are by far, by far an asshole. An asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. I wrote it down too. <laughs> it's not why a does great he say line. It? I just it's just missing a word, and so that makes me take notice. You, know? you are by far an asshole. I knew yeah. that was my next note. It makes me so happy that you wrote it too. And then it leads to the re, I mean, a ridiculous scene where they are forced to fly a private plane to go pick up an informant. And Billy D pulls a Mister T. He hates to fly, so he has to listen to. Instead of getting drugged like Mr. T and the A-Team would to fly, he actually listens to a self-help tape um, as they're flying to get through his panic. It looks um, like he's got an iPhone or something. No, no. It's just a, it's just like a handheld cassette recorder or a cassette player. It's so but small. He, it is. And then he, they land, and <clears throat> they're trying to get it. There's a perp that they need to – well, there's a perp they need to arrest so he can die. Um, and so it happens to be in – uh, Nick Barzark's hometown where his mom lives and his mom's been giving him shit. Doris to Roberts, visit. right? Yeah, Doris Roberts from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, that was she and, uh, and so he he does pay her a visit. They do have time. Uh, and he goes to visit and he gives his mom shit just like he gives Ver- Valerie Bertinelli shit. But then his mom agrees to make him his favorite meal. What is and it? It's so Sloppy Joe's. Sloppy Joe's and fr- homemade french fries. So gross. Yeah. You don't like Sloppy Joe's? No. And then there's this the the sequence where somehow inexplicably a helicopter outruns a plane, and they're trying to kill the passenger <clears throat> of the helicopter, the the bad the guy that they arrest. They're they're taking shots at him. Helicopter's forced to land. Then the, doesn't the bad guy like run into a barn? Of course he does. And then he gets killed by the farmer. He does because he's about to jump on our hero cop Nick Barzark, and he ain't thrilled. Yeah. And then. Um, well, but the reason that he gets into the barn is because the pilot is is assassinated. And, pilot is killed, yeah. And and Carradine lands the plane, no sweat, lickety split. He lands the plane. It's a little clumsy of a landing, but he does it. Bad guy gets away. Um, There's a Billy cute D, scene where uh, Billy D dives into some hay under the wing of the plane. I thought that was cute. Um, but anyway, the farmer saves Carradine's life. He shoots the bad guy. He shoots the guy who's about to, I guess, pitchfork. Carradine has something, yeah, some kind of, of course implement. he is. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and then there's a, there's a line when they're, when they're reporting 
I think Billy D says old McDonald had a shotgun. Somebody has somebody says that horrible line. Yeah, yeah it's pretty um, bad. And but anyway, we, it, it, okay. no, at this point, Carradine, because he, you know, he he came back to the airport. I think with that, like you said, that that conquest of his, the the young woman that drives him to the airport, Billy D, and they talk about. Philly D's animal attraction. Like he's got, he's got this something else that most men don't have. And he sums it up this way. He says, he said, it's been happening since I was 10. And he goes, I don't think about it since he was 10. I believe it though. Billy D is a cool guy. He's even cool in this somehow. And he's eating yogurt and yeast paste for lunch. And he's still pretty cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. I want to think about that 10 year old Billy D. Mm hmm finding out the rotten way you know you know he's like you know he's at the safety crossing and the lady's blowing him as he crossed the street said whoa i don't want to think about that what are you talking about my man's 10 (laughs) he's getting bloated he's getting bloated he's getting bloated at this crossing maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna balloon animals speaking of animals they end up at the zoo carotene of course strumming on a guitar Oh my God! Well, that's and after we meet Michael uh, Michael T. Williams. That's right. Yeah, from Forrest Gump. Yeah, he's he's playing an interesting character. Is it Micheletti? How do you say his first name? Well, I mean, it's Michael T. In this. Oh, really? He changed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Billy D. says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can make animals sick with that." You know, like oh, yeah, he says, I like that, and then yeah. they. And then they cut to an elephant trump trumpeting because the animal he's right that the elephants don't like this strumming and his singing he's singing well, some song although some pretty rough dialogue because yeah. Michael T Williams is uh, he rides in on a bike and uh, and then he's like he parks the bike near them and is like trying to be covert and talking to them and then Carla uh, Carradine's playing his uh, guitar and singing badly the elephants honk. And then uh, Michael T. Williams is about to leave, and carrying, I mean, and Billy D. goes, Do you have any more room on that bicycle? Uh, Such I a think it's low rent. I imagine some of this was improvised, right? Some of this, some of these lines seem. That's the scene where the plant keeps falling down, I hope was in the script. What plant? When they're at Michael T. Williams' house and he's got all the stolen goods, there's this plant that gets knocked over twice in the scene. It's like super let. It's like the Wizard of Oz hanging dwarf. Like everybody's like, you know, the three men and a baby kid Mm -hmm. ghost. That's like one of those. That tree is huge urban legend. So so they're trying to get more information. This is when they meet John Grice. He's at a place at a bar that has mud wrestling, of course, nude mud wrestling. Um, He's he's smashing those drums like we said earlier. He is hilarious. His face. Oh, it's the stuff of glory. To see him, and you, and you know, as soon as a mud pit enters the scene, that Carradine's going in. Like as soon as you know he's he's going to end up in that pit, and he does. But what surprises me, they right before the scene ends, you know, when he's trying to he's trying to chase Grise, and he gets they get into a fight, and he gets thrown into the mud pit by some angry, uh, you know, bar staff. The the ladies pull the ref in to yeah. the mud. I wasn't expecting it. Well, that's, I mean, that's smite. That's a smite. Yeah, he likes it. Mm-hmm. It's about disarming the viewer, you know? 
and then Carradine chases Muddy Carradine chases Grise down to the bathroom. He, I think he then he draws down on him. He, oh, he shoots the toilet tank. Yeah, and Grise comes out of the of, uh, of the of the stall. There's also a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of gay jokes in this scene early on because they Is go there? in. Yeah, there's a gay like a obviously gay waiter. Um, and they're interrogating him and he says, why don't you ask Bruce, the bartender? And back then Bruce was like, uh, a name that people would use as the generic gay person name. Is that why they wouldn't let it be Bruce Banner on the incredible Hulk? I don't know. It had to be, um, David, David Banner. I don't I know if that's the case, it. but maybe, but yeah, there was like, there was some subtle kind of gay subtext in there, there. Um, well, there's later on. They there's a gay, there certainly is a, a gay joke that sucks, but yeah, I don't remember this. Yep. But anyway, so yeah, they get Grise. They take him to a um, uh, a building that's you know being made. They take him up in the elevator to like I don't know. Let's let's call it like the tenth floor. Probably and high. They hang. They take They hang him upside down and interrogate him, and he starts panicking and he gives away. You know some names. He talks about Terry Pogue, Terry Pogue, and which is one of the all-time <coughs> great villain names. And he's and Terry. He's spilling. He's spilling all the info because he's scared for his life. And so then the cops are having a great time. Like they think it's so funny that he's panicking. And then they go to f- see if his information is good. They leave him hanging there. Now what they don't know, and he goes, "Come on, guys, let me down." And they're like, "We'll be back for you." <coughs> you know, we're, and so uh, they don't know they're being tailed by right. an assassin, like a guy that works for the bad guy. And like this Terry guy Pogue. is a Terry Pogue. Yeah. He sees he sees Grise hanging up there and he goes to let him down. All the way down. And it's a horrible scene that that's uh, now burned in my memory and I don't like it. It's not a horrible scene. It's a hilarious scene. <laughs> it's a cute death that makes me sad. <laughs> because this guy... He drives like he's so happy to see his acquaintance or his uh, coworker, and he says, "I didn't tell him anything." And um, the guy, he's like, "Can you get me down?" He goes, "Yeah." And he starts to cut the rope. And he goes, "Thanks, man." Yeah, he goes, "Thanks, man." And then he realizes that he well, he starts to drop, and he what does he say? Oh my god! It's <laughs> the best. As he's as he's dropping down, he realizes that it's not gonna it's not survivable this drop. And it's so loud in the mix. Into the ground. It's so instant and it's so loud in the mix. It's so perfect. And he says, Oh my God. That's that's it's actually probably how we would do it. I don't know. Would you say it like that? Maybe. I'd say the F word probably. Fun. <laughs> um Frank Langella. So then there's a chase because the, the those guys get the cops return to see uh, the crumpled body of John Grise, and then they think, "Oh, we fucked up. We he actually fell from this. We left him up there, and he fell." And then, woo! Oh, it wasn't us. It was this assassin guy, and they start giving chase because he they see him, and this guy gets hit by a car, ends up in the hospital. Um, by the way, it's it's in these scenes we real we see that Billy D has perfected the art of the eighties cop pose. Okay. Yeah, the legs apart, tiny pistol in their hand, you know, like the just the generic 70s and 80s cop in a, in, in a striking distance pose. Right. It's hilarious. It's adorable. It's, it's cute. Sound of ricochets, you know, super pot boiled. 
How does the bad guy, how does the main bad guy find out that this guy, Terry Pogue, I think that's his name, is in the hospital after being hit by a car? How does he find this out? Tell me. He's in the pool. Somebody hands him the phone with a pool scoop. (laughs) (laughs) They pass him the phone, the cordless, with one of those skimmers, those nets, those skimmers, yeah. He's in one of those floaty chairs. It's the you know? oldest, oldest staple in the book. <laughs> Having a drink. Um, and so then cut back to, they're at the bar again, Billy D, after this horrible thing that they caused, they didn't let Grise free and he's murdered. They're at the bar and Billy D again is playing trumpet and, you know, like, like the Pied Piper um, attracting, I don't know, uh, one of the one of the barflies, this this beautiful lady, you know, and so they have a conversation. Do you remember this conversation? Yeah, of course. She says, he says something like, "You." She says, or he says, "You are smashing," and he's like, "You are smashing." I am. You are. They have this big like. They keep talking about how each other. They're both smashing. Mm-hmm. But then Carradine actually smashes that apart. Yeah. By pretending to be Billy D's gay lover, right, and it works. The woman is uh, incensed Drops that she is around. She says a bad word at Billy D, and leaves, thus ending that. I don't know date. I don't yeah. know whatever it was, and Billy D is mildly annoyed. Right, but and hey, yeah. they have to go to the they have to go to the hospital anyway because they have to check on this guy who's been in a car wreck. Unbeknownst to them, the main bad guys hired the oldest assassin in the I, biz, I, I Joseph Mendez. Same fucking note, oldest assassin. Joseph Mendez enters the scene, <laughs> and he decides the because this this room, this hospital room, is guarded. He's going to rappel down, and just like the clever assassin he is, from the top of the hospital and shoot this bag of shit through the hospital window. Um. To his but credit, Adam, he does that. He does do it. But but he doesn't have a plan B because he doesn't have a silencer, I guess. And the cops come running and they shoot him. Here's the thing. Our boys enter the scene. They try to get in the room. But this doctor stops Carradine because he knows him. And he says how they hang in. And Carradine says cozy. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. Why would the, the, the hospital, why would a doctor be that familiar with Carradine? Yeah. And why would you suggest that your balls are are cooked? Why would you answer it that specifically? That that exchange infuriated Michael Mann. Because <laughs> that's what the original scene, the first scene with Pacino and De Niro at the diner was going to start with. It's a shame. It is a shame. They go, they head on down to the morgue because now old Terry Pogue's dead. This the oldest assassin in the business, Joseph <laughs> Mendez, is dead. And Carradine has a mind-boggling line when they're talking about they're identifying the assassin. This whole morgue sequence is incredible. Um, they identify the assassin, and Carradine says, "Didn't mind doing women and kids either. This guy was a badass." <laughs> 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 that's his requirement that he didn't just kill men he also killed kids thus escalating him to <laughs> the baddest of asses 
the murderer supreme, <laughs> a legend. Yeah. I thought that was a weird line. And anyway, of course, the coroner is all he cares about is getting a pastrami sandwich during all. So of I was going to ask you, do you remember his order? Pastrami. And? On, uh, a small Sprite. <laughs> but the, 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 there's a, he's a funny morgue guy. Uh, he's not. Well, he tries to be goofy for no reason. Like, why is he in that? Like, he has one scene and he uh, orders a weird lunch and that's it. Like, I think it's supposed to be funny that he he's hungry after this. I well, and, and there's like the stinger at the end of the of the scene is him telling the people on the other end of the phone. I guess it's just that one sandwich. Yeah, because he tries to order for the group. Yep. He's got whatever, whatever he's wherever he's ordering from. He's got he's got it on speed dial. He picks that phone off the cradle and it's immediate connected to the uber eats i don't know where is he you think he's going to uber eats on this i don't think so does this take place in la hmm does this movie take place in la i mean that's a zoom too far i can't answer that question okay because it did get me wondering Mm -hmm. i haven't had a good pastrami sandwich in some time yeah me neither a little stage deli a little stage deli treat made me salivate don't worry nick they head on down to the funeral for another weird drug bust. Or the I'm sorry, the cemetery for another weird drug bust. What's happening? I love this scene. They follow the, some dude the, to the cemetery. The most aloof actor I've ever seen. The guy that plays Malcolm, this guy. The way he's walking around in the mausoleum. Mm-hmm. So self-conscious and so aloof at the same time. It's hilarious. He pays he, his respects and grabs does. some drugs out of an urn. Right. And then... Um, you know, they, they, they say freeze. And so then Carradine starts to investigate what happens with, with him and that urn. There's well, a little joke here. There's a great joke. Uh, so Carradine, he, he's, he's got some black tar heroin there, which is a bad thing. And then mm-hmm. it's another bag and he, and he, and he, and he doesn't know what, what drug it is. So he takes a taste of it. Mm-hmm. And what, and you know what drug that is? It's the bad guy's mom's ashes. <laughs> That's what he says. And then Carradine does a very polite thing where he spits the ashes back into the urn. Very respectful. <laughs> a big running joke here, by the way, is they tell the bad guys to freeze and they never do. And and Carradine has a running commentary where he's like, why did I even try? Why yep. did I even? They never do. Yeah. They never freeze. That kind of thing. By the way, do you remember what restaurant they name dropped quite a bit in this, in this film? It's his favorite. Uh, and the one he's believe- not allowed yeah, it's is it Maya something? Elmaya. Elmaya, yeah. And I did some research. Yeah. And uh it's uh, the English translation is the Maya. It's uh saved you guys the trouble. Uh by the way, how about the inexplicable Tai Chi sequence with Billy D. Williams? Well, it's not inexplic- what's more inexplicable is what happens afterwards because he does it the Tai Chi sequence and they we get to see his sensei or whoever that is and and then Billy D changes into his uh, civilian outfit, leaves the uh, the studio or whatever, and he starts to toot on a kazoo. Nick, uh, no, it's, it's just his mouthpiece, just the mouthpiece of his trumpet. Oh, I thought it was a kazoo. It sounded like a kazoo. Are you sure it's not? No, it's a piece. It's, I used to play trumpet. That's the mouthpiece of his trumpet. Damn it! I was hoping it was a kazoo. He's practicing, man. Always, always, you know. Always working. Then, he's, then he is tooting along to the car stereo as it drives away. But what happens? He gets attacked. Maximum overdrive begins. 
So there's a weird thing that happens in this movie. He is chased and kind of uh, and harassed and run off the road or run into like a, and of course, a junkyard. Um, they have to have that scene too mm-hmm. uh, by these two trucks. And he, every time he talks about this scene, he only ever references one truck. He never mentions the other truck. <laughs> every line, it's always about this truck, you know, um, this truck ran him off the road. Um, he goes, the two dudes in a semi try to squash me. There's two semis. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a weird that one. scene. It does involve the, the magnetic death of a car and all sorts of skirmishes of yeah. vehicular skirmish. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah, he smashes they, the, he smashes down the, he crushes those guys in the cabin and there's blood coming out the door and stuff. It's pretty, pretty horrific, but he gets the okay. upper hand on him. And he says, how do you like that shit? Speedball. <laughs> it's like a Lando line, you know, he sure does say that. There's also a weird again, again, speedball. There's two. You know, there's two trucks he has to take on. Why just the one? Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, did you notice this? There's this this joke about kettle bomb. They really try to make this kettle bomb like the the underhill from this movie, like from from Fletch. I know it's pretty rough. But we didn't men- you didn't mention what's happening. Uh, something finally has gone right in Robert Carradine's life. Oh yeah, Valerie Bertinelli almost blows up. Well, she goes agrees to go on a date with him. Uh, he lets her go get the car after their dinner, and <laughs> the car blows up on her. And I thought she was killed. I was like, this movie's on a different level. Somehow the car blows up, and she just has a bruised face. Mm-hmm. And she's in the hospital. She's fine. She's all right. Even the, even the doctor's like, she's good, man. We're just keeping her for observation, basically. Yep. Um, I thought for a second she was blown apart. Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. Or, he or her stand over her. Are, my shirt! St- stands over her her uh, her limbs, like her scattered limbs start screaming at him. <laughs> Did you notice that some, oh, this is my fault? You know, some, some, like weird, uh, some weird jewelry and fashion enters the film late oh okay did you notice the lucky horseshoe ring he's sporting who he Carradine? yeah Mm-mm. and later on he's got a giant triumph belt buckle <laughs> no. no nothing's working whatever he's trying is not working here <laughs> the guitar all these these accessories it just there's nothing that's gonna make him more cool no matter even the characters start calling him speed they give him this nickname Nothing is making him cool. Well, he's called, yeah, he's, her, she calls him Speed. That's her nickname for him, too. Yeah, why? In bed? Does he, does he ever do anything in this movie that is Speedy? They call him Speed. Can you? I mean, the, basically, the most badass thing is that in this movie, he does the most daredevil thing he does is he tastes that, tastes that woman's ashes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, speed. Were you blown away by the reveal that the the cop was corrupt? Yeah, I mean, they try to make that guy a character before he betrays them, but it didn't work. He's like their sergeant or their something. Yeah, he. Who cares? <laughs> um, there, there's a big thing where they're trying to tail a limo or something, and they realize <laughs> that the limo has been they it disappears and they realize it's, it's gone up in a truck and there's a drug dealer going drug deal going on. 
in a limo inside of a back of a truck. Of course there is, you know, always have to complicate things. And, um, for some reason, I think one of them, I guess, I guess Carradine gets in a truck to chase it. Yep. And before he gets in, as he gets in, he says, Oh, gross. Because he had just shot a guy in the head that was in the passenger seat. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I missed the, that part. He shot someone in the head. Carradine. Yeah. yeah. Remember he he um he makes car he makes Billy D drive on the, on the oh that's spot. right yeah, yeah yeah so that's right you're right and oh, that, it sucks because cute. that damn drug deal inside the fucking limo inside the truck totally was bogarted off of Michael Mann's script for L.A. Crackdown ruined it ruined Heat. So the, after all this stuff happens, he goes back to the hospital and Ver- Carradine is back there. And Valley Bertinelli is and she, his mom's there. She's, uh, you know, cooing over him. She's more, she's in love. Like she's like, she's yeah. like more into him than she's been in the whole movie. And the, and I thought the director did a really clever thing. He pans down to her chart hanging off of her bed and it says brain injury plus blind now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On heavy meds, it makes her insane. She uh, it has alliances. May think Robert Carradine is attractive. <laughs> You're ripping him. He goes to he goes to to put the, the hard the hard press in the bad guy. They can't get him, Nick. They can't get the bad guy legit. They can't do it. They can't. No matter what they do, he's he's he. They can't get him in uh, their clutches. So frust- a frustrated Robert Carradine shows up at his mansion, and he worms his way in to intimidate the bad guy, where he meets. A bodyguard named Monty. Yep. Another and, stellar acting performance. Well, I loved it because he says he he, you know, he and then you obviously the hot the girlfriend's there, the hot girlfriend, and who's trying to hit on Robert Carradine, of course. But um <laughs> I saw he has chart this, on the table. <laughs> he, he asked Monty to hug the statue. He goes, he goes, Hey doofus, hug the statue. And the guy says, Monty, like he says, he doesn't want to be called Mo- do a doofus. He wants yeah. to be called Monty, which made me like him. Well, the funny thing is, he he has the he handcuffs him around this statue that all he has to do is lift his arms to be free. Because right. the statue is like six foot three, so that was a, that was a little bit of an issue. That's cute. And, and then, then but the best he bangs his head on the statue because he's so frustrated by that he got the, you know. Monty gets a scene on the phone later in the movie. He gets another, Monty gets a name drop himself again. The, so Carradine goes into the, almost kills the bad guy, jumps on the guy's bed and points a gun at his face. And the bad guy does not fire Monty. Like he, this does not, like he, Monty's still hired. Yeah. At the, you know, and that's right. He, he takes a the phone The funny thing is the bad guy also doesn't seem to sweat this cop on his bed pointing mm-hmm. a gun at him no he said you won't kill me you're a cop and he's right yeah. um and then you wonder about his strategy for going there in the first place so then Carradine gives up like after this scene like he doesn't he's like, it's like in revenge of the nerds exactly he doesn't just at the end of it gives him right before the end of the movie and um he just like you know what's the point strumming guitar you know whatever he's doing and he's right and then Billy he finally D- realizes the bad guy is more likable than him. But Billy D comes and gives him a pep talk. What does he say? He comes in and says, "You know, I, didn't, I thought you were crazy at first, but now you got me in believing this." And they're 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 laughing at us. You know, the department is. You know, he just basically comes and pep talks him. Mm-hmm. 
It says, you're my knee and numb. I need you. <laughs> and then he, and then like, there's, I mean, we don't even need to get into it, but they just kind of pull a fast one on the corrupt cop and everybody shows up to this drug deal and, and they end up arresting the bad guy, the, this DaCosta. He doesn't get killed. Um, and then Billy D giggles at the end, which I thought was uncharacteristic, but kind of cute. Um, Peter Graves, who is a sort of a TV legend. Right. Uh, kind of a one mode actor doesn't do anything different ever. I don't know. What got like a, got, well, he just does it. He has like that perfect voice. Didn't he do like some kind of famous, like insurance commercials, some kind of commercials that he grew like, Yeah. Man, but he, yeah, he's got the, he's like the white hair. How do you describe him? Like he just is the same performance and everything. Yeah. I think he might be the template for bland white. Yeah. Like the, the mold that they use to build them. So he's like a pretty big get for this movie, I guess. And, he, and he has maybe three scenes and he mm-hmm. is, uh, I mean, to say he's phoning it in would be a, a unfair to telecommunications. Said so you guys, you cracked a pretty big egg. And then he says they're they're good cops. They're not good cops. They're mediocre at best, borderline um, criminal. Their behavior certainly not good cops. Um, I, and so anyway, I, I, the movie's ending. I'm like, are they going to revisit Bat- Bertinelli? She, I mean, it looks like it's wrapping up, but she shows up in a car to pick Carradine up, and she says, "Hurry up, Lake Arrowhead's going to dry up." I know what that means, Nick. Is that a missed comment? The Arrowhead Project? Or? I think you know what I'm saying. Oh, is so she talking about... Yeah, okay. You feel me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Those, those, uh, those, those facial expressions are going to go over well on the podcast. I know what she, I know what she means. You know, <laughs> Dry up. So they're going to Lake Arrowhead, Nick. Okay. Because she decided that, hey, my life is com- a complete ru- in ruins. Let's let's go camping with Robert Carradine. <laughs> that'll, that'll cheer me up. Yeah, my bruised body from a car explosion. Yeah, my tattered big shirt. You think that they go out camping and then she just he starts to put the tent tent up and she says, "I don't worry about it." And she just drapes her big shirt over a branch and that's what they sleep under. Yeah. And the people in the nearby tent think that they, they're really kinky. He's like yelling in the night, where's my walleye smash? Where's my walleye smash? He's like, man, is that sex? Is that is, is that their, their kinky shit? No, but he's just rummaging through th- rummaging through her belongings. You know what she, I mean? She gave, she gave it away. She gave her walleye away. She says I threw it back. I think she made a little joke herself, if you remember. She says she threw his uh, walleye back. You know what I'm saying? You know what that means? You know <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, great movie. You loved it. You know what? I didn't. <laughs> uh, this is a movie I had never heard of, and I almost lived my life without hearing of it. I almost made it. You know? Almost did it. Almost did it. So, you are uh, an unincorporated Lake Arrowhead. Just kind of biding time, just whittling away the hours. Sure, yeah. And yeah. you smell a weird burning sensation in a in a nearby cabin. You look in there, and burnt into the wood is uh, a variety of different archaic, you know, totems and hieroglyphs mm-hmm. and stuff. And sure enough, 
there's a tattoo artist inside beckoning and he wants okay. to adorn your skin with uh, a little reminder of uh, number one with a bullet. So you mentioned the illustrated man earlier. I did. I did. So I go for the entirety. I go for the full bod. I go for the entire 360, every bare inch. 320, 320. <laughs> <laughs> I get the entire sack done. The whole skin mm-hmm. sack, like scrote to moat, you know, boat to back, you know, like <laughs> knuckles to cockles, you know, got my, 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 my foots to my big old bitch all covered mm-hmm. in the skin. Yeah. Okay. And I said, here's what, yeah. so I hand him like a hastily assembled collection of all of the storyboards for this movie. It's like, do me out. So yeah. I have the entire, like every storyboard for, for when I'm with the bullet from head to toe, tailbone to scrap. So you're getting your whole body covered? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm getting a complete illustrated man with the storyboards for this movie. Yeah. They actually, that's, that's the thing is then that means you're going to be, I'm going to look at you after you've been to the tattoo shop and you're like, Justin, I got the whole storyboards of this movie on my body. And I'm like, you don't look like you got anything done. In fact, you're standing in front of me naked. I don't see a dot of ink on you. And you're like, exactly. <laughs> a fucking... I tricked the tattoo artist. Wow. it's a super diss, man. You saying they didn't prep? They had no storyboards for this piece of shit. Oh. <laughs> they winged this motherfucker. <laughs> they just like the director is like, just find me a location and we'll make something up. Graveyard, zoo, <laughs> bar, skyscraper, or not, what is that? Like a not even that scaffolding, whatever the hell that that building was. Carnival. There's a carnival and a zoo in this. So what's your tat? So my tat is, of course, the John Grise plummeting to his death on my leg, you know, towards my knee saying, oh, my God, like, you know, I have a little speech bubble coming out upside down, of course, like mm-hmm. it's like upside down speech bubble. And then and then uh, like a silhouette, like a shadow, like a shadowy, like kind of ghostly figure wrapping his arm around him and said, yes, my son, it's as if as if the catch my poor little John Grys saved him from from death. <laughs> That's pretty, you know, so it's yeah. so he is he's being classed by an eth- ethereal being before he splatters on the ground what do you think i think it's uh it's it's more uh believable and uh, uh spiritual and influential than most of the tats that i've seen that are mm-hmm. a little motify i just like a tattoo i don't have to explain <laughs> you know yeah oh is that number one with a bullet oh yeah perfect oh you're trying to save john grice from his death that's oh, amazing i love that tat yeah so You've been given the uh, financing to, to do your own sequel to number one with a bullet. How are you going to spend that hard-earned coin? Such a good question. Mine's obvious. It's called Beach Bum P.I.s. Okay. And uh, Carradine and Billy D have retired from the force. And they got their ladies. And they had... they like running scared a little bit. They have a, a house on the waterfront and they solve like little crimes. Like the big bounce mm-hmm. a little bit too, I guess. And they... Uh, they just solve crimes and they share a, a sexual bed, the four of them. And so they're just heating it up at the daytime, heating it up at the nighttime. Lo and behold, Bertinelli gets super preggers with a Chimera child, a Janus project. Half Billy, half Bob. 
all cop. Like this little fucking comes out. He's got the Camara project. <laughs> Pretty good. My sequel is Doris Roberts got the investigator bug. She caught it. They looped her into the plan at the end. She plays a woman who comes and um, uh, harasses a cop, like, you know, gets, you know, basically says, I need you to answer my questions. And the cop's distracted. And he lets be, you know, Billy D and Robert Carradine into the um, evidence room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shows she, but she's bitten by the bug, Nick. And it's like a Columbo type movie, but with Doris Roberts. That's my sequel. You know, what do you think? Is Carradine in it? Fuck no. <laughs> Her catchphrase is, my son's dead. <laughs> what a catchy, <laughs> a catchy catchphrase. <laughs> so you have yeah. been inserted uh, into number one with a bullet. All right. So my son is very ill nearly deathbedded. So I am working my ass off to make ends meet because this is not, this is before GoFundMe. It's, 80, right. it's 86, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. I am taking every job I can get to help provide for my child. Mm-hmm. It's a very inspirational thing I'm doing. Right. Busting it everywhere I go. Uh, what do I do? Oh, I'm a commercial pilot. So I take this gig uh, flying a, a couple of cops. Yeah. How's it go? Well, they never did say you were dead. You could have just got, like I said, maybe you're grazed. Maybe you got grazed in the, in the, can you get grazed through your brain? Is that possible? And the, the most, the most insulting thing is uh, I get mm. destroyed. Uh, but also Carradine tur- turns out he doesn't even need me because he lands a plane fine. Probably kicks my body out, out of the fucking window. Then it'll make room for himself. Yeah. Son, my son uh, just, the real casualty of this film. My character is the guy who delivers, the incompetent guy who delivers the morgue's mortician his lunch and gets the order wrong. The guy ordered a pastrami sandwich and a small Sprite. I bring a large Sprite and a Joe Satriani CD. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a win. And this morgue guy tries to, but you know, the CD's case and all is between two slices of bread. So it is a complete fuck up. And um, he bites down, cracks a tooth. It's just an, it's a, right. it's a whole thing. Right. But he is a goofy. And what, forever what Satch Boogie track cannot be played. Uh, is What is the, what is the, um, is it called a mortician? Like what, who is that guy? Coroner. Coroner, yeah. Why do I keep thinking mortician? Because that's a funeral home guy. Yeah, I'm like trying to. I'm searching for the for the word. He's a coroner. He's a, he's the funny. He's the funny guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's who I'd be. I'd be the the guy that delivering the wrong lunch. Yeah, if he went serious, that's weird. It's weird that they have uh, Satriani CDs at the restaurant, but whatever. Um, look, escrow's cleared. Tasty licks. <laughs> and uh your financing's in place man you're locked in right you can actually do your enterprise completely geared around number one with a bullet mm-hmm. what would you do 
Hmm. I don't know. It, they did do, they did, there's a couple of businesses based off this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And an, and an app. Yeah. Well, of course, I'd produce a mounted, you know, what do they call that guy? Big Mouth Billy? Yeah. Big, he's like a bass on the wall and yeah. he sings, right? So I do, um, you know, Wally Walleye. He'd be like mounted, be the walleye. And you'd press a button and he would just spit out uh, Carradine's lines from this film. Instead of singing, he would just say, um, you know, suggest that, you know, that he and Billy D. Williams are in a relationship and they may have AIDS. I think that was one of the joke, the jokes that he was passing by here. So, uh, you know, that's what I would do. A fish that would, you know, Wally Walla, Nick. I, um, I kind of wish that that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and Car- and Carradine's voice coming out of a fish. Can you imagine if he made bank out of that? Like I said, he seems nice in the interview. So my business is called number two with a bullet. Okay. And what will happen is um, people, and it's like a sweepstakes mm-hmm. um, where you enter to win. Um, it's just for fans of the movie. So you have, a, you know, it's more of a controlled group of thousands. And So it's no one? <laughs> <laughs> so there's no one and so um, if you're a lucky customer you, a, a limo will pull up to your house with two mm-hmm. tickets all expenses paid to Holland and you will go across the sea and eat the Holland food and, and tour some things you know look at some puppets and windmills and stuff and all that and then um, you know they'll feed you every meals on the house um, and then, uh, while you sleep, um, you'll be drugged, uh, and your bowels will be filled with different bullets. Mm-hmm. And so that when you dump, you're firing like little shots, like you're, you're shitting all sorts of ammo into the, mm-hmm. you know, the sweet Holland bowl. So we just basically take you over the sea and fill your ass with bullets to shit out. Number two of the bullets. Yeah, it's number two of the bullet. And then then you go home. You go home. Everything's paid. You get home. And you find out that the coup de grace, we've actually put one in your balls. Go home with a nasty bullet ball. You're going through the you're going through the the magnet at the airport and it's going bonkers, mm-hmm. and it turns out you've got a slug in the dick. So you basically say that someone said how they hanging, and you'd say cozy, but there's a bullet in there. Yeah, yeah. There's a bullet exactly. There's a exactly. bullet rattling yeah. around. Bullet in my peep. Oh my god, you got shot in the balls. No, actually, they surgically implanted one in my in my scrotum. There's a <laughs> there's a bullet in there. Why? Well. <laughs> There's this business, <laughs> and uh, I was intrigued. Yeah, yeah. By the way, check out my wooden shoes. 
Yeah. What? Is that you already, you already did one? Um, the movie has ended, and there's a uh, little tree. Let's shake that. Let's shake that one off real quick. Hold on. Give me a, give me a second. <laughs> shake it off. There's, I gotta movie. try to sleep tonight. You know, <laughs> movie's over. Yeah, uh, but the credits have rolled. But there's something waiting at the end for you. A little treat. How does this little, little this thing? Oh, hit? deleted scene for number or a extended sequence or yeah, something. A, a post credit scene. Yeah, for, yeah, stinger. Um. Oh man. The the sexual bed, um, is occupied by Valerie Bertinelli and Robert Carradine. It's nighttime. Um, and she is now. This is the eighties. Mm-hmm. He's sleeping completely fast asleep. Um, Speed, yeah. And she reaches over for her uh, IUD, her uh, birth control, her mm-hmm. sexual protection, her diaphragm, her sure. rigged with explosives. She rigs it. No, it's rigged. She like the the. the <laughs> she didn't know. It's it has C four strapped to it, and in it goes. <laughs> Horrible blow up. Back in the hospital. <laughs> She's fine. He's destroyed. <laughs> what can I? What could my extended sequence be? You know, Carradine is actually singing in this movie. Like he actually is, so he was actually singing songs in this movie. I know. We didn't really talk about that too much. It bothers me. Um, He's the guy that would bring I, a guitar to the party. The worst. The worst guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I would just you go. You zoom in like the, the lead sequence of the morgue. It's the lights are out. Someone's shutting them off. And there's a toe tag. It says Joseph Mendez on it. And the camera zooms in. And you just see that toe wiggle and that tag flutter. And you know. He ain't dead yet, my friend. The oldest assassin in the business. Yeah. He getting older. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So that's that's how I'd, I'd end it on a hopeful note. Sting, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So look. Yeah, they zoom in on his chart. They zoom in on his chart. And it says bullet in the balls. <laughs> they sing smooth up in you, right? The bullet balls. <laughs> um, oh, oh, bullet boys reference. Nice. <laughs> um, hey, look, you're floating out in the sea. Uh, you've collected debris from vari- a variety of films over the years. Yeah. And now it is your time to bring something back from number one with a bullet. Something, something mm-hmm. special to stash into your stash. Yeah. I bring back a think back to this movie. That's what I bring to the island. I think back to this movie. <laughs> what? So when I'm getting lonely, when I'm getting lonely. Okay. When I'm getting feeling stranded, when I'm feeling hopeless. I think back to this movie. I realize it ain't so bad. You know what I'm saying? It could be worse. 
I could be back ashore with possible a possible access to rent this movie from Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> that there, I might enter a room one day where it's on TV, and if in my island, mm-hmm. which I imagine we're trapped on, we never really talked about we're what's trapped. happening on these islands. We're trapped. We're trapped. Yeah. But we, yeah, have, we can con- but we got a lifeline. We have, yeah, we, have a, we have a lifeline to, co- to conjure and we get guests, okay. but we're mm-hmm. trapped. I'm bringing a think back to this movie to my island then. Okay. When times are tough, this is like my antidepressant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I swallow this memory whole and to realize I don't have it that bad. <laughs> you know? What about you? Well, you, I've, I've created a. Uh, you have a monitor. There's a monitor that I've sent to you that is a live feed from my island. You fuck. And you, you goddamn fuck. Yeah. So, but it, there's very. It's it's usually just a a blank you know panorama of of a beautiful palm tree and coconuts and you know. But I come up. There, if I have a live room. If I have a live room feed from your island, that means I'm insane. Basically, <laughs> on my island. That means I'm spitting, stumbling around. I'm wearing a leaf as a diaper. It's done. I'm done. You know. You don't have to look at it. I've seen the horrors. <laughs> it's it's facing a, a just a brick, you know, like a like a stone wall with a palm tree. There's nothing scary. But anyway, every once in a while, I'll pop in there and do a live, you know, like a live zoom in. You know. Yeah. And I and so I'm. That's what happens. Like I, I come, come on. I'm looking at you and, and like we're chatting and catching up. Justin, it's good to see you. Hope you're doing well. You're like, Nick, you look great. What's that in your beard? I was like, oh, shit. And I brushed it off. And, he, and you're like, there's a little in your hair, too. Uh, brush it off. Don't worry about it. This is mom. It's just some some of the some ashes. I was I was nu- I was nuzzling his mom. I sometimes I just get in there and give her a noogie and just nuzzle, you know, like try to breastfeed, you know, kind of just roll around in the in her in her in her embers. You know, so I got that bag of mom ash, you know, the leftovers. Yeah, that's that'd be an interesting. And I'll, roll in it like a, I'll roll in it like a chinchilla. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll so get all dust flowery. bath in the mom. Yeah, get 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 all nuggined. You know, yeah, I mean, after you tasted that, there's no going back. I imagine his mom later on would be like, hey, you want me to make sloppy joes tonight? He's like, nah, mom. He's listening. She's like, that's your favorite. He's like, looks at the camera. Not anymore. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. He tasted, he tasted, what do they call that? Ambrosia? It's called cr- <laughs> cremains. <laughs> What's ambrosia? It's like the food of the gods? Ambrosia is like, uh, it's a bunch of fruit with like coconut and stuff mixed in with it, right? I don't, is it the, why am I thinking it's like more than that? It's like, is it like a legendary food? Well, maybe there is, but I know that there's a dish called ambrosia that's got like a bunch of fruits and some co- shaved coconut in there. Yeah, yeah. Listen, in the ancient Greek myths, ambrosia is the food or drink of the gods, uh, and they say then they and they have in parentheses, i.e., McDonald's uh, or Hardee's. Um, it was brought to the gods in Olympus by droves and served either by. Uh, Ganymede at the heavenly feast. Oh, I love Ganymede. Or, yeah. or Hebe. I don't know. H E B E. Hebe. I don't know how to say that. And then taking it back to what I'm talking about, Ambrosia mm-hmm. salad is a fruit salad with pineapples, cherries. Yeah, yeah. I know what it is. A little shaved. The cheap bath version. Yeah. That Greek's like, Greek ain't bringing nothing with Cool Whip. The Greek gods. Are you shitting me? Yeah. 
They ain't slinging that shit. They're bringing ambrosia. They're bringing the food of the gods. I'm talking uh, about some whip whipped cream plate. I got to drop a, a sad hammer on you. What are you talking about? They're fake. What is? The Greek gods. I'll tell that the alpha betas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And She's I like to cream. envision what part of her that, that ash is coming from. It's like, hmm. Hmm. That's her. That might be her nape. You know, like I'm licking mm-hmm. an ash. And it's like, that's napish. You know? Ooh, right. ooh, I got a little bit of, I got pink. You know, or I got like a little, uh, you know, got got some that that it was most definitely spinal cord, you know, like a little little grist, little gristle. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, but sure. But I roll, I roll in it like a cat, and I'm just like my feet are up in the air, and I'm just thrilled. Yeah, yeah. I don't do mm-hmm. all this in front of the camera, so you know. Yeah, well, send over a straight jacket because uh, I'm going insane <laughs> if I see any of that. <laughs> Your island is full of. Of horrors, like I don't think anything good happens on that. I I, I beg to differ. I'm having 24 hours of doom. I'm having your time of my life. Um, funny thing is, is uh, I send you a completely shrink wrapped uh, VHS and VCR VHS of this movie in pristine condition, and you're like, uh, I'll, I'll watch the feed. <laughs> that is uh, going straight into the ocean. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm gonna try to get it. I'm gonna try to like throw some, you know, you know, put some, you know, coconut on it so like a a shark will eat it or something. I want it destroyed. I want it not only waterlogged but also eaten. You know. Anyway, I. So you're taking the ash? Is that what? Yeah. Taking. Mm-hmm. So can that's you... a funny thing about the mom is his mom's name was Ashley. Yeah. You know, so Ashley Asterton. Actually, his mom was a famous person, Charo. <laughs> Charo's not dead. She's no way she lives. Charo lives. Sheesh. First Charo's of all, nobody and listening to this knows what Charo is. There's no way People she's know. still alive. And not only is she alive, she's a young woman. She's 70. She just, she's 70 this January. She was... She's 69 during the pandemic. She's a young woman. I mean, she's not that old. Jesus Christ, she lives. Hmm. Oof. Yeah. Got Just got divorced, actually, a couple years ago. Well, he died. Charo. No, he died. Charo. She didn't get divorced. He oh, died. Oh, my fault. That's Kajel Rask. I, I, I like how I assume that she got divorced. You know, he just died. Yeah. I didn't realize she was a guitarist first. She's a musician. I just think she showed up on sitcoms and shit. Natal, I want I, I want your honest opinion. This is uh, this. I don't like to end the show on a serious note, but mm-hmm. if you were stranded on an island and you look to see and you see coming in the surf, maybe like a maybe a like a a couple of um, personal belongings gripped in their teeth, swimming to shore. Robert Carradine. Mm-hmm. What do you do? He's swimming ashore. Yeah, are you gonna like uh, hammer him in the surf like a primate? No, I, I probably could use the company. Like I said, he seemed like a nice guy. 
Hmm. Plus meat's back on the menu. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pastrami. Yeah. What if, what would you do if you saw? Um, I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't worry. Cause I know that I'm still alpha male on the Island. I'm still the most popular actor on the Island, you know? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely want to know what's in his mouth, uh, but yeah, I'll take him out, take take him on a tour of the <laughs> island. You, he would not last in your island, I imagine. He'd be much safer on mine. Oh yeah, I, let's. I mean, let's be completely honest. I would know what his sinew looked like shortly. Oh, 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 oh. Let the lotus grow forever.